episode of I've Been Listening. Maybe at some point I'll get to the point where I can release weekly episodes, but for now, (laughs) this one's coming a few weeks after the second one. Um, Anyways, in this episode, I chat with my good friend Chris about music creation and emotions. It's a two-parter because we talked for a while. This one is just over an hour, and the second part, we dig a little bit deeper into emotions. We also end up talking a lot about Weird Al and uh, how much we loved him in middle school. So look out for that coming soon. But in this episode, we cover topics such as what makes a pop song a pop song, what really goes into the song creation process, what it means to Chris to be stricken by an idea. If you've ever seen the Disney movie Soul, you'll certainly be clued into the way in which we talk about the creative state. But I hope you enjoy the more freeform feel of this episode as well. Some of my favorite podcasts have that freeing feel to them, and I really tried to emulate that in this conversation. Chris really answers my questions, my musings in a, in a really great way, and I loved hearing his outlook on music and creation and emotions. You can also listen to his new single he mentions in the first few minutes. I'll have that in the show notes. It's amazing. Uh, well, I hope you enjoyed the second episode of I've Been Listening. Thanks. Um, so today we are talking to Chris. Chris is a former roommate of mine um, and still a good friend. I'm really happy he still lives in New Orleans. <laughs> and um, he is a musician. And so among other things, a builder of, you know, amazing bed lofts, <laughs> a man of many talents. But <laughs> we're going to be talking about how, about his musical career thus far, um, mainly about his creative process, where ideas come from, and um, definitely like how emotions tie into into music in that, in that process. So, Anything else you want to just say? You can like introduce, you know, the music projects you're a part of. Oh, that was that was uh, a yeah. <laughs> that was a great introduction. I uh, um, as far as music that I'm working on right now, uh, projects that I'm involved with, um, I've mainly been working on um, <clears throat> starting to release my own music, um, and that'll be under uh, the name Amalgamation, which is uh, spelled with all of the vowels removed except for the first one so it's a-m-l-g-m-t-n um and uh yeah i have an ongoing project in chicago with uh, my good friend and musical collaborator jameson branner called other sides um one word o-t-h i love the other sides yeah um so you know i mean like most people you know, COVID has definitely, like, affected the ability to go out and promote music playing live, um, but, you know, there's there's been a lot of good to come out of it, too, so, yeah, I'm excited to, cool. to dig into it. Sweet. Uh, well, the first thing I guess I just want to touch on, which isn't necessarily about the creative process, well, it kind of directly is. But one thing that I found crazy that I really didn't know about until living with you and then until I like dated a musician briefly is just how collaborative 
the music process is, especially when you get to big productions, like a mm. famous pop song has, I don't even know, a hundred people or something working on right. a song. And I guess in my mind, I always thought it was like one person comes up with the chords and the melody and then they just have you know, people who know the more like sound electronics parts of it that do the rest. But that is like not at all the case. And I mm. just maybe <laughs> want you to talk about that for a second in case like some yeah. of my listeners don't know yeah. just how many people. Absolutely. I think this is a great place to start because a lot of, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions with the way that, um, the music industry works from an outside perspective. Uh, a lot of people, you know, like you know, like an artist like, uh, um, you know, like Taylor Swift, for example, will be, you know, Taylor Swift has her fans, and if, you know, they don't know any better, uh, they'll think that she did everything. And right. when in reality, you know, there's like so many people, a producer sort of guiding along the creative process and making creative decisions and adding writing inputs and uh, it doesn't happen so much in cities like New Orleans and Chicago where I'm from Um, but you know in LA and New York and like Nashville um, you'll have these big studio writing sessions where people come in and um, if you add even some people have only you know like a line that they add to the song just just like a single mm-hmm. line or creative idea but everything is accounted for mm-hmm. in these sessions so it's uh yeah it's i mean uh it's kind of uh <laughs> like demystifying it is a really uh cool <sighs> and insightful uh discovery and also kind of like a bubble bursting yeah. moment because you just uh you know, we idolize these people that we grow up listening to, and uh, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it is marketing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast with Sia. And, oh, cool. And Sia's. Yeah. Fucking amazing. <laughs> but she was talking just about like the few um, big pop songs that she's written, like Bulletproof. Mm. Yeah. Or, I I don't know if it was bulletproof or one other, but she was like, oh yeah, I wrote it in two minutes, you know, and yeah. she meant she just wrote the lyrics and then handed it off to other people and they did the rest, right. <laughs> basically. <laughs> but it's just like, wow. And she made so much money off of something she spent two minutes doing. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Sia Sia is like a big a big um, a big goat to use that. Goat. You know, like greatest of all time. Oh, you know, oh, oh. Just, uh, she, I mean, she's she's just been such a big influence, and I don't even know the full extent of her, uh, of her, you know, her credits or as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's like a, it's a muscle, uh, writing pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I was like probably five years ago. Um, when I was living in Chicago, um, I was a part of this writer's workshop hmm. um, led by uh, sort of like the first mentor that I ever had um, who worked at my high school but was also involved in the music business. And he since hmm. has worked with uh, Chance the Rapper and um, Aaron Allen Kane, who he managed for a while. Um, uh, he lives in L.A. now, but um, mm-hmm. he ran this writer's camp sort of for all the people that he knew. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah i'll never forget the first session we just sort of like played through a bunch of beats and uh it was it was really cool because it was the first time that um i ended up writing this hook to a song and then we sort of moved on and one person would have an idea and then sort of bounce it around the circle hmm. and uh you know we'd be sort of uh oh i like that but let's change the second line or like what if it like just that one word you know um it's kind of like a think tank yeah um, a little bit um which i'm sure uh, is how a lot of bands come up with their songs too yeah totally start with one word or one concept or something right huh yeah but it's i mean it's really like you know how it how it uh how it develops um because some people like sia can just do it Mm -hmm. all on their own um yeah i uh i aspire to (laughs) to get to that level someday see a level (sighs) god status yeah Um, what are other like famous songs that she's written i can't think of the other main one i am so bulletproof was one and then yeah it's just ones that she's written for other people that i was really shocked to hear like that one i don't think she even performed it was there's like a Rihanna yeah. song or something. Yeah, there's a Rihanna song. I think there's a Lady Gaga song. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I could be wrong too, so don't uh, don't <laughs> quote me on that. But uh, I actually knew Sia. Oh, before she was cool, is that? <laughs> no, not even, not even. Uh, Sia was. I mean, Sia was killing it. I, I found out about Sia like when I was like a teenager. So, mm-hmm. um, but she got. She used to perform with this band, Zero Seven. Hmm. Um, and they do like super chill, like lounge, uh, loungy. It sounds really, that sounds really bad, but it's really beautiful. Uh, yeah. In the waiting room is a song they did together. Huh. It's like really to, awesome and beautiful. Yeah. Well, one thing actually, now that I'm remembering, it's funny that I brought up Sia or that she came to my mind now because I want to talk about emotions in this episode but she was talking about emotions in Mm -hmm. the episode I think it was on like a Tim Ferriss podcast maybe on his Mm -hmm. but she is like super into attachment style and like attachment theory and she was talking a lot about that in the in the episode which I don't know too much about but there's like secure insecure right anxious anxious avoidance yeah yeah which is really it's interesting and i i think it is just coming into the mainstream more once i brought Mm -hmm. it up to somebody else they were like oh there's this tiktok person who talks about this all the time so i think it's cool that attachment theories and stuff like that are coming into the mainstream more yeah probably because of covid too People are just <laughs> yeah everybody's getting, figuring it out <laughs> yeah getting to know themselves better totally which is maybe another can like misconception that i that i also had about music is that like musicians must know themselves so well because they're you know constant, <laughs> they're constantly like <laughs> that's the that's a great joke <laughs> but they're like constantly <laughs> figuring out their emotions as they're writing songs or something you know so i feel like i yeah. just had this conception that poets and and musicians and stuff can just know themselves so well or something oh, but yeah I think that's a, I mean that's a really <laughs> on one hand it makes me laugh yeah uh, because you know myself and knowing so many other people it's like wow sometimes sometimes artists know themselves the least Mm. just trying to figure it out through their art but 
uh, like at least through my own personal experience but um I think that uh yeah to be perfectly honest um you know it's interesting when I look back as a as a kid and like how I used to write Mm -hmm. as a kid um and there were some songs that I wrote that were really uh you know really indicative of what I was going through Hmm. and was really therapeutic Hmm. for me Mm -hmm. and then there were other songs that I was just making shit up Mm -hmm. I like you know to the point of even lying about uh you know it (laughs) you know in the (laughs) yeah in the paradigm that like all songs that you write should be about you and your experience which I don't I don't even think anymore yeah uh there was a lot of like inflating Mm -hmm. that I remember doing uh a lot of as like a teenager or younger yeah 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 as a teenager and um yeah I mean like even into even into my 20s like um and I didn't really know what I I got really obsessed with the idea of writing music that was only only based in what is what had actually happened to me like Mm -hmm. only based in truth Mm -hmm. um as like a these are the facts of my life um and uh it got really hard and like serious for a really long time because like it was just there was no flexibility and while I think that like telling your truth can be a really beautiful um authentic way of writing music and expressing ideas um you know I was uh you know you should you should be able to have fun um yeah I bet that just gets exhausting too especially if you're just talking about your problems all the time absolutely or like thinking about your problems all the time (laughs) yeah just exhausting to write music based on that totally yeah that's that's kind of what it became and it would Mm. and it would be the same problems reoccurring Mm. like oh this one girl like can't get over it um and even to the point where I had gotten over certain things I wasn't I wasn't training any other writing muscles Mm. for myself Mm. um that you know I would even allow myself to write about about something stupid and funny yeah that happens but then there is still such a trope though about like a breakup album right like Mm -hmm. people yeah Yeah. write albums after they break up with people because you Mm -hmm. know there is a lot of emotion there and in my mind I guess it's yeah a musician's way of like processing going Mm -hmm. maybe to some degree right absolutely (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong but you know processing what they just went through but yeah, if you're like trying to create that all the time or only right. having your music focus on that. If it's, yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't break <laughs> up with people every other month. I mean, right. maybe some people do, which is yeah, also fine, but. <laughs> right. I mean, like to contradict exactly what I said, if it, like a second ago, like if it's not what you're actually going through, um, it might not be, it might not come out as, as authentically, mm. you know, um, and, uh, I mean, it's funny you bring up the breakup album because, um, <laughs> uh, Currents by Tame Impala, um, mm-hmm. is a breakup album. And that was, uh, like hugely, such a huge influence for me, um, mm. just in, in every, in every aspect and just the way, in the way that he wrote the songs and the sonics, 
the sound choices, the mm. the way that he meshed genres, the way that, you know, um, yeah, I mean, just like to be, I, I was, I was pretty attached to just the sad boy yeah. identity marker for a really long time. Uh, yeah, because I, uh, uh, for a lot of different reasons, um, you know, I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't ready to heal, um, you know, from, and, and let go of this identity um, that was attached to like, you know, I mean, for example, like somebody that, um, I thought that I was in love with, mm-hmm. um, and that sort of like had the veil taken off of that. Um, it's a even even when there's like so much pain, like for me, my experience has been just, you know, learning to um, learning to recontextualize like the painful things and not have it be this all encompassing. Uh, you know definition of like what life is Mm because life is so many other things too the silly songs like still uncomfortable yeah show what life is the happy songs show what life is like yeah there's a lot more to life but i i definitely just think it's interesting because it is a trend you know and the Mm. the trend makes sense to me i feel more creative when i'm Mm. upset about something Mm -hmm. you know um, not that I've ever written full songs, but like, mm-hmm. I think it, for me, I, I can understand it. But also as someone who's written a lot of other songs about not just breakups and emotions, <laughs> um, I'd love to just like talk about where, where you think ideas come from, like other than emotions and mm-hmm. obviously like to talk more about emotions, but just to yeah. kind of like getting questions about where do ideas come from? Like where, you know, where, where, when and where do you get your inspiration from? Mm. Um, If it's not emotions or you can talk about emotions too. Mm. But I just find that fascinating, like just inspiration striking and and why you think that happens. (laughs) Yes. This is, this is like one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, I believe that to create is is a is a divine gift that we're given um you know despite what you may believe i mean personally i i feel in the presence of some sort of you know some energy some guiding force some people call it god some you know there are just a million words for just this thing that exists beyond us Mm -hmm. that we can't quite comprehend but that we relate to Mm -hmm. um and in the realm of creativity i like um referring to this place as the ether because it's at least as an idea hits me in in a in a moment of i'm not trying to come up with this idea at all you know Mm. this is this is an idea that you know feeling stricken by an idea is a very particular feeling um and so what i what i feel is that when we are when we allow ourselves to be on a similar in a similar vibration to the ideas that are resonating with us Mm. and you know this can sound really woo woo really quick but i (laughs) I really believe that that feeling of 
syncing up with something, you know, is because of the way that we're, our, our bodies, our, our energies are vibrating mm. and why something feels like harmonious to us, you know, in music, harmony is a, mm. is a thing that gives our ears lots of joy and mm-hmm. pleasure. Um, and so thinking about relating to ideas in the same way, um, that is, that is where I find the most joy in what a lot of people call the flow state. Mm. Um, and it's sort of this, uh, oh my God, there is, uh, I don't know if you, have you seen Soul, the new Pixar movie? Yes. That just yeah, got yeah, released? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, it was so good. Oh my goodness. I mean, they're <laughs> just like breaking barriers every <laughs> every year it made just, me so sad i cried yeah, multiple times me too <laughs> me too it was it was it, yeah it was heart heart wrenching and mm. um but the thing that i love that they did so much was showing you remember when they uh they were on the lookout for these lost souls mm-hmm. and they were kind of you know in the ship yeah. And then these other people started popping into existence, and uh, I forget how they exactly said it, but you know the captain was kind of just like, and this is where people, when people are in the flow, this is where they come to. They come yeah. into this realm and they interact yeah. in this way, and I think that's such a awesome way of of looking at it, and at least like you know, um, in in writing, yeah, yeah, and performing. Cause... I guess in my mind what you're saying too is kind of like it's not conscious right Mm. you're kind of just in your own yeah your own state your own flow state and things are just kind of coming naturally and going out is that yeah exactly from this ether as you call it sure yeah it's kind of the the embodied belief that we are the vessels for creativity to happen Mm -hmm. and if you if you believe that creativity is a is a divine gift and that it's you know it's a it's a part of our purpose um you know just fulfilling a purpose um yeah purpose is such a it is a it's a hot yeah it's a weird word word. it's a weird word because I i think with that word we start equating it to a lot of stuff relating to our egos um because when the ego seeks to find purpose, it doesn't, it's, it, it's not ever really satisfying, you know, mm-hmm. at least in my own experience, mm-hmm. when I try to satisfy myself through, this is who I am, this is what I do, it, it you know, it, it, it doesn't, it feels it, like it empty. feels empty, yeah, absolutely, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, just, just giving ourselves, that's really, that's really where I feel the most at home, with music and um is when I feel like I'm able to fully give myself over to that process and uh you know this the 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 product of that interaction is definitely going to be colored by me Mm -hmm. but it's also not it's not mine Mm -hmm. you know it's not uh because I wasn't the only one that created it, um, and yeah, it's 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 a really, I think I think it's a it's a hard thing to uh, describe sometimes uh, because even having language 
around mm-hmm. this sort of uh, in the in this realm of of uh, of experience where so many things are just subjective and loose and intangible, mm-hmm. and you kind of only know it if you've felt it. But we've all felt it, you know, because it's like if you you're playing a game as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're just sitting and enjoying the sunset. Yeah, just getting in that in that zone. What how do you think that relates to, you know, if a song becomes a hit? Like would you mm-hmm. say that it's would you kind of put it in the same realm of like well it was just, you know, hitting people on this similar vibrational state and mm-hmm. a lot of people maybe if something's a hit are within this vibrational state? And so someone mm. tapped into something special, or do you think like a hit song more so really just has to do with how it sounds and you know kind of the mechanics of what a pop what a pop song is? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think it can be both, depending mm. on the master yeah. who's in charge of this process. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, because you have a lot of people in the music industry who have, you know, people. Um, far more um, maniacal than Sia Uh, (laughs) really you know dialed in the process to a science and being able to write something catchy being able to do something um, reliable uh, that will stick in people's heads Uh, and I feel like we've all we we all know these types of songs that we just we hate that it's there but we can't get it out (laughs) it's just so catchy it's just so damn catchy (laughs) yeah yeah um, you know, you have so much pop music that's written in that realm, and I like, you know, I mean, it's totally subjective. I also feel weird about calling out certain, uh, you know, certain things, and uh, um, you know, because people are art, like, for example, you know, like Katy Perry, Rihanna, and like, you know, like these like really amazing pop stars are such artists in their own right and Mm -hmm. and give give a song it's the life that it has Mm -hmm. um with their amazing talents um and then also you know the people behind it the the ones you know who are injecting this like you know the earworm component into Mm -hmm. it are also involved uh in like how it creates the effect that it does um you know so, so you think it's like very much kind of a different thing <laughs> I, I think it's both though because yeah. you know you look at like people like Adele and mm-hmm. uh you know I remember when like I was in high school when Rowan and the Deep came out and uh you know that shit is just you can just feel it you can feel her yeah it's and she's just so real then, yeah and like and Lizzo like when oh yeah. my god uh when her album drops and uh and of course, I'm just like, my brain is in a fog. I just took a DNA test, turns out I'm 100%. <laughs> like, I was sitting, yeah. I was waiting on the platform for Lala and watching, like, all these white people from the suburbs just singing this <laughs> song. <laughs> right. And it, it was hilarious, but it was also cool. And it's like, okay, so it's, you know, I think it's both. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the people who wrote these songs obviously we're tapping into something within themselves and then also yeah must have been tapping into something that they 
knew that other people would like or I mean I'm sure like part of the creative process too is just I mean your influences you mentioned a Tame Impala album so that's somehow factoring in too and there's just there there's just so much there yeah definitely so yeah I mean it's definitely it I mean it has to be both I can't see how a song would achieve any fame if it wasn't written from somebody's like heart in some way or just their just passion in general Mm. not like it's emotional for them but just Mm -hmm. yeah I think even beyond the realm of like hits like songs that songs that like have longevity or songs that Mm. you know might hit you know um and you know, make a really big impact at, at the time that it does, but then continue to make an impact. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's a really, I think, I think it's kind of like a authenticity cocktail, like how much, <laughs> how much authenticity is put in there. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Well, when you say authenticity, I, it also makes me think of like jam bands, mm-hmm. right? That are, or just any band that's jamming at the, during their set where they're just you know all feeding off of each other's energy and coming up with something on the spot like Mm. that almost seems like such i don't know pure authenticity obviously in a different way yeah organic and that's not even you know about song or it's songwriting on the spot like Mm. i don't even know how that plays into things but i mean you know i love a good jam (laughs) (laughs) yes you do so (laughs) Yeah, to me that, I think too what makes that so special in my mind is like, I can, I can understand how a pop song is written, you know, Mm -hmm. like I know that there's like three, two, three, four main chords that people use for famous songs and, you Mm -hmm. know, certain, uh, uh, chorus, yeah, chorus like structures that people use. Song structure, whatever, like things that people do to make a pop song. But I just like as I can't understand the whole jamming part of being a musician. Mm. Um, And do you feel like it's another flow state? Do you feel like it's like another kind of like part of a creative process, just like on the spot? Like, how do you not put pressure? I don't know. I feel like I would just put so much pressure on myself. Okay. Well, one of my one of my musical heroes who um, is a great person that I can reiterate to explain this with. <laughs> uh, Victor Wooten likes to talk about musical music as a language, mm-hmm. which is, is not anything new, but he really, um, you know, you can, you can look up his, his talks on YouTube and that type of thing. Uh, he's, he's so brilliant. Um, just in the way that he relates... Um, you know, when, when you teach a baby to speak, the baby isn't speaking with other babies. The baby's getting spoken to by adults. Right. And an adult isn't telling the baby, no, that's bad. Like, don't do that. It's this. You know, the adult, the adult's making weird sounds too and like adapting themselves to talk like the baby a little bit. While still guiding the baby along, mm-hmm. you know, their way to learning the language. And so, you know, like jamming is just having a conversation when you're, mm. when you're looking at it in that way. Um, 
and you know there's so many different ways that people have learned um the language of music mm-hmm. um you know for me it was uh in a high school music theory class mm-hmm. um top i want like one of the best teachers i've ever had in my life um marty Cervaka, shout out to <laughs> <laughs> you're never gonna hear this um <laughs> But uh, yeah, he was he was really awesome in the way that he taught us the language and then mm. he let us speak it um, mm. via experimenting with composition. Like, okay, let's learn this idea. Let's learn let's learn how you know um, uh, this certain resolution sounds like a like a five to one re- resolution is like da 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 da. <laughs> you know like we all know it's just like ah like ah and then ah okay it's, you know um and then we'd experiment with that huh. you know like okay let's write that mm. and um i think it's i think it's really important that people have the chance to practice the language without fear of scrutiny hmm. because um music gets gate kept a lot um especially uh, especially in the realm of higher education and you know I went to went to school went to college for music and uh, it wasn't entirely you know the school that I went to or uh, or the people around me it was definitely me too but you know there was just a there was a certain arrogance hmm. that people had that was was very new to me and uh, also having people that were better than me was was really new to me and um yeah, not everybody was uh, willing to be there to help you grow. Mm. Um, And there were certain expectations put on you to be able to learn yourself. And so Mm. I was so frustrated for like four years of learning music and I hated it. I hated it so much because I was having, you know, in the same analogy, just having conversations with myself alone for... um, you know all all day just practicing in a practice room and that's uh that's not how you get better you know you get better through like collaboration yeah yeah I mean I think like to me it seems like people who jam together often like get better at jamming together right which is also interesting to think about in terms of conversation Mm -hmm. like our friend groups you know like training each other in a sense during conversation like yeah sometimes you enter conversation with one friend group and you're just like I have no idea what's happening like not even just because they're talking about inside jokes and inside things but you're just like I don't get the flow of this you know Mm -hmm. so that that is kind of an interesting analogy to to think about and then to think about it in terms of music but yeah. I mean, that's that's sad though to yeah have felt for four years that you were like almost alone in your creative process while being <laughs> around so many other musicians. Yeah. But it is competitive, right? Like music is is really yeah. competitive because fame or or whatever is yeah. competitive and yeah, music is extremely competitive. Uh, in in the in the realms of being proficient at playing an instrument and getting jobs that um, 
that schools are teaching you you should be ready to get mm-hmm. um you know if you go to you know if you go if you if you're studying classical music then you want to get a job in a symphony right it's incredibly competitive if, if you want to um you know play jazz you have to be really 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 good to um you know to make it you know to to play with to play with really good people and to and to make like a decent living Mm -hmm. um but like also years are pretty endless you know so in some sense if you are creating music like to everyone could reach the same number of people (laughs) absolutely i mean sort of (laughs) i mean yeah that was like that was what was so cool about moving to new orleans for me like from chicago because it was there's just a completely different attitude here yeah and uh yeah people there's way less judgment there's way more inclusivity um and uh not only for music but just art in general it's Mm. it's uh it's such a beautiful city in the way that it allows you to tap into your your creative side and not uh you know not feel judged for it and also learn to not judge ourselves because like you know like i i judged myself so much uh and you know still still battle it um but like especially when i was you know in school and like really trying to find my creative voice for the Mm -hmm. first time um you're gonna write stuff that you don't like (laughs) and uh it's just kind of the reality um and it's you know we we uh when we we put things in these boxes of of good and bad and relate to things in those ways and um it's not very helpful at all uh, to sort of to yeah to to throw away one thing and like to exalt another because um that's not what art is about it's like art is about relatability and expression and if if someone has the ability to relate to the expression that you're putting out or or react um you know then then it's then it's something worth keeping um Mm -hmm. you know but you could have the most thought out meticulously planned piece of something and if there's not if nobody is feeling it when they're making it it's it's just not it's not going to do its job yeah and then also too like one thing kind of within this the realm of um competition too is like um being inspired by someone else's work of art is should be like very flattering too right Mm -hmm. rather than like feed into that competitive aspect of things and I would I would hope that like most artists kind of recognize that right like that their things are especially if it's really good and it really speaks to people like people are going to be inspired to make something similar yeah (laughs) or you know absolutely something that feels the same to them and Mm. I think that's beautiful and so you know it's it's too bad again that you experienced that 
the maybe the opposite of that in yeah. your schooling yeah um maybe when you're young like people look at things more in a competition sense and then once you get older you kind of realize especially as musicians you really have to <laughs> work together <laughs> yeah i mean a lot but for a lot of a lot of people don't realize that mm. which is um uh you know really telling when you go to a uh, go to a school where these hierarchical notions of music are upheld mm. yeah it's 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 really uh i think i th- my belief is that we should be headed in that direction and trying to like allow trying to stop something from happening as far as artistic expression goes mm-hmm. is just like really counteractive to I don't know our society I know that feels kind of big but like <laughs> you know everybody deserves um and is capable of creating and I think that there's a lot of demystifying that we need to do around creativity in general mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we we teach it as a very um, uh, as a very ego based trait mm. uh, in that you know oh well you know you're just you just think about it that way because you're a creative because you're an artist because you're a musician and you're yeah. and you're this special breed and uh you know i'll be completely honest you know like when i was i, I grew up my parents were both are both musicians and they both uh teach singing um and uh are really good at what they do and um you know but i i grew up they loved me. I, you know, am so thankful for my upbringing. But, you know, they really instilled in me that, oh, you're special. You're special. Hmm. You know, all these other kids, sure, but, like, you've got something special. Huh. And uh, it was a very, uh, very slippery slope um, to go down without even realizing it. Hmm. Um, I sort of mentioned before that, you know, when I left for school and started you know discovering that oh there are people better than me mm-hmm. um you know i was very much confronted with that with that ego um mm. and with the way that i was and the way that i had been for years um without having the self-awareness to uh address it and yeah. uh yeah um and so you know, my, my beliefs now are very much shaped by my own experience in that, like, you know, either side of the coin doesn't really yield good results. Like, belie- like being told you're special your entire life, it's going to come crashing down. Being told <laughs> you suck your entire life is going to also show itself to not be true uh, or that you're not as good as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And my belief is that that actually pushes you harder to, to get better. Mm-hmm. Um at something if you really care about it um you know that's that's a sort of a complicated i'm sure parents many, yeah need thing, to completely but... find a balance with that yeah but that is interesting i mean i kind of remember talking to my college boyfriend about that topic but within the engineering realm mm-hmm. you know of how he went to lsu and so he very much did feel like 
one of the smarter people in a room. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of getting a job at Google or Amazon and going, moving to San Francisco, Silicon Valley, whatever. He's like, I know I would have to deal with the, with that issue of walking into a room and knowing for a fact that I am not one of the smartest people there, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought it was really cool that he was like aware of that (laughs) you know that whole like you know I know I just feel smart now but other places that is not the case (laughs) and now I'm kind of curious yeah what did his parents tell him did they tell him like (laughs) you're the best or you know was that something he was he was always aware of but Mm. um so I was thinking about that and then I was also thinking about yeah this what kind of the opposite of what you said you felt as a kid is I was like I I'm good at math and science like I'm a scientist I'm a well no I never thought I'm a scientist like maybe you (laughs) thought I'm an artist or a musician but I very much was in that kind of dichotomy and I feel like yeah our parents and our teachers were were pushing that along and and other Mm -hmm. students were pushing that along like making it out to be like you had to be one or the other yeah you know yeah it's really insane yeah and yeah and I and I like what you were saying before about creativity being a divine what did you say a divine divine gift divine gift (laughs) yeah yeah but I just think of that as yeah I mean we all have yeah definitely creative I mean science is creative too in and of itself Mm -hmm. we all have creativity and to try to put it in a box and say that some people are creative and some people aren't is just yeah it's like damaging (laughs) to our society like we need more creativity totally in every realm yeah yeah I think that people just don't get the don't get the training or aren't encouraged to train that muscle because creativity is just a muscle Mm -hmm. and I mean like you could find it at the top end of like corporate America like you know how are we gonna creativity is like a form of problem solving yeah you know there's a there's a need for something uh let's figure out what it is um you know music is kind of weirdly in that you know you get to interact with just this <laughs> conceptual realm in a way that you know you can um when ideas are flowing it's really beautiful um but you know there's always for me there's a point in every song where I'm building it up um if I'm doing it that way and sort of constructing it and maybe some structure adding some structure but there's a point where you your attention shifts from listening to the ether and you know uh to listening to the song and i think the challenge is to allow yourself to still let those ideas happen rather than getting attached to the way things are because things start to be really quickly when you're Mm. adding things on um that's been a big uh yeah a big uh learning experience for me and then you know relating it to creativity at large we we can sort of look at like (laughs) you know 
writing a really good song is like solving a problem like what is what does this need the most of oh it may, it needs like that much of that but like 50 percent less <laughs> you know a little more compassion yeah yeah a, a little, little more money a little less greed <laughs> or whatever yeah we could deal with that yeah i think that was a cool way of thinking about it too because it's like yeah you have to be not you have to be not attached to how people have solved the problem in the past or, mm. you know, the way that it's getting solved right now. Like, you can always change course, right? Just right. like just like in a song, some things, sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, and the weird thing with the song is that it never... It's never fully finished. You just have to decide. Mm-hmm. You have to let the baby bird mm. fly out the nest. And, uh, mm. yeah, you gotta let it go. What um, do you think can always be changed? Just, like, oh little things. Like, you can I mean, add another lyric. You can Another <laughs> lyric. I mean, as far as writing goes, um, or, or recording, rather, um, you know, I guess, I guess writing feels a little bit more solidified mm-hmm. as far as you know things feeling right but like recorded music is just so you can listen to something so many times that you're not even hearing it right mm-hmm. uh and you just get it's like a tunnel vision for your ears mm-hmm. uh this has happened to me like you know working on albums in the past and like being in studio and been there for 12 hours and it's like it doesn't even sound yeah sometimes you you grow to even like just hate (laughs) the songs that you're working on because of how much you've heard them yeah yeah um, it like doesn't even sound like a song anymore yeah it's weird like where you sort of when you say one word like a million times in a row it doesn't even make sense anymore like yeah you know it starts kind of like sounding like gibberish um but, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it, it's, oh, you know, a little bit more volume on that or, like, turn the filter just down a little bit on that things. one. And you can just get so wow. ridiculously meticulous. Um, Especially with all this new technology, right? Oh, like, yeah. previously, I'm sure, studios, the band just came in and there's, like, a few things that record. You can, like, yeah. adjust a few things, but nowadays too there's so much more to it i'm sure right and that was the job of another person you didn't even think about that but now that we have you know the power (laughs) the power is in our hands now as far as like we can do everything ourselves like one musician yeah one musician yeah like and we romanticize it like all the time like especially musicians especially romanticize this just because Kevin, like, Tame Impala isn't a band. It's just Kevin Parker. Mm. And he recorded, every like, Currents, all him. Everything but the mastering was Kevin Parker. Oh, my God. And, yeah. See, I didn't know that. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> it's fucking insane. And not everybody is built... Sorry, I don't know if I can... Can I swear? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did earlier and uh, thought about it, like... <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have um no but but anyways um Kevin Parker not everybody is built the way that 
his mind is built. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's his, just from listening to interviews of him, that's, that's his comfort zone. It's just locking himself away alone for months to write a, a new thing. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, sometimes that's how people flow and that's yeah. beautiful, but, um, I don't think we need to, yeah, uh, we don't, we don't need to romanticize or, uh, you know, put him on a pedestal maybe. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely gets done. Just cre- Yeah. People who are creative in general, it's like, you're like, Oh, I'm not creative, but, right. but yeah, it, our society really needs to be like building that skill in more than, more than we do. Definitely. Um, yeah, so I guess part of me feels like it's impossible to talk about the creative process and with you and, like, not... Like, there's no way that you aren't being reminded or thinking about, like, what just happened to you, which um, Chris got robbed, basically, of, what, all of yeah. your musical equipment and... Yeah, everything. Everything, um, everything, um, except for my laptop and hard drive, which was really, I was really grateful for, but also yeah. super weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you've been able to get, tap into your creativity, I guess, in other ways, mm. too, right? But yeah. I, I just almost, I do almost feel bad, like, no. talking to you about music uh, you creation, <laughs> No, you shouldn't. Um, no, you shouldn't feel bad. It's, uh, I mean, it was a horrible thing that happened and, you know, still dealing with the repercussions and, um, you know, I mean, as you know, it's been, there have been so many silver linings, you know, first of all, just in the amount of support that I've received from people and just, uh, yeah, like it, it it has just felt like a this outpouring of love from like my community of people. Yeah. Like they're not all the same networks, mm-hmm. but it's just like I was re- you know, I feel really reminded of all the people that love and care for me and who are, you know, yeah. willing to just show it in a time of crisis yeah well which is also like a cool thing to be reminded of during a pandemic yeah because i feel like i've been feeling <laughs> you know the lack of community um yeah. and so yeah that is like an especially kind of cool good reminder yeah it's been a it's been amazing and you know like like you were mentioning on the with you know creativity um you know it it, it sucks not being able to record, you know, with the instruments that I had and, uh, um, you know, dive into the way that my process was, but it's uh, kind of cliche, but like, I, I am a firm believer in everything happening for a reason, everything happening the way that it does to teach you something. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's just kind of been examining um, you know, the ways in which I become attached to creativity. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, prior to my, all my stuff getting stolen, 
I had this really amazing like two and a half like two week long period of just so many ideas um and this was after a really long slump of not having any ideas and feeling really bad about it um and then what all of a sudden inspiration hit i just switched it's always the small things always the small decisions um i have this really uh awesome uh it's called a looper um basically you record stuff into it um and you can layer ideas one on top of the other so you can record drums and that'll be mm-hmm. looping just playing itself over and over again and you can you know record a melody on top of that and a bass line and you mm-hmm. know um but um i gotten really attached to the idea of that being um well i guess more attached to the idea of needing to make music of a certain quality mm-hmm. and thinking of the looper as not being up to that standard mm. um and so I was always hesitant and felt weird about integrating it into my process um but I just kind of had a I just kind of had a fuck it moment mm-hmm. where I plugged it in and I hooked it up to the uh program that I use logic and uh uh yeah I I, prior to that I felt really really stuck uh in the box is like what they call it like when you're Mm -hmm. producing music in the box and writing music in the box you know you're just in the computer and there's something that feels some people can do it really well but there's something that just feels really unnatural about that to me Mm -hmm. and uh has kind of been an ongoing struggle of how do I write music that feels like I can access my flow state Mm -hmm. um, when the program that I use doesn't even lend itself to that experience Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah so the feeling more than anything but um, yeah yeah so you know you let me borrow this mic (laughs) (laughs) right before you got here my friend sent me a track like oh hey uh i have this uh i can totally you know record an idea so (laughs) this thing's got good uh good audio yeah sound to it yeah blue holds it down yeah usb champion (laughs) i I think it does all right yeah i honestly don't really know how to tell the difference between good audio and bad audio it's really sometimes i can't either to be honest like (laughs) sometimes and that's the best when like the $300 mic sounds better than the $10,000 mic (laughs) you're like oh cool that's great for me that works yeah (laughs) and my wallet yeah I mean microphones too have all different kinds of sounds right with like some singers like swear by certain kinds of microphones because they like how their voice sounds in it or something yeah like different microphones will will enhance different parts of the frequency range of the voice and so yeah everybody's voice is different and so uh yeah you get to find your perfect I haven't found my perfect match I'm really I'm looking forward to the yeah I had a really great mic it you know she wasn't my perfect match but but we we got along very well, well. if you don't get her back I guess that's another silver lining you have uh, <laughs> the next, maybe I needed to let her go yeah the next mic you buy <laughs> will be a different mic and 
get to experiment. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, what, one thing just in relation to this that I kind of asked you about right before we started recording was just if you were feeling any, you know, anger towards this. And I think, yeah, one of the reasons I thought of this question is just because we've talked in the past about how both of us as people are more likely to experience sadness than mm. we are to experience anger. And I was kind of shocked to hear you say that you haven't even in something like this you know the anger really hasn't come to the surface and yeah I I don't know I I don't know what that what that means or it's just just something interesting I guess about emotional states that I wanted to bring into the conversation and I don't know emotion especially anger that's not something you do here in music very often I guess maybe yeah. maybe personally. I mean, not in yeah not as much in in popular music for yeah sure. um I wonder if there's like kind of a reason for that well there's our conversation look out for the next part of this conversation soon I hope this episode inspired you to maybe break down creative barriers, not put yourself in a box. I also hope you learned a little about how the music industry operates and how it takes a bunch of people to really make a song. I find that stuff very fascinating. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it on you know Facebook, Instagram, so I can reach more people or writing a review on either Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And again, part two will be out soon. Should be a fun one. And then after that, look out for a conversation with my friend Danielle. We talk about the entrepreneurial realm, starting a business and things of that sort. It's uh, It was a fun one. But until next time, thanks for listening.